0: recording. Uh, welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy
1: Did and you Alex Sokolov.
0: <laughs> oh let's start that again. <laughs> D- is there a delay? Oh god okay. Okay so welcome to Sundays on the East End. I'm Bridget Leroy
1: and I'm Alex Sokolov.
0: And uh, today we have with us um, Sybilla Van Kempen, who is an old friend and uh, owner of the Bridgehampton Inn, Loaves and Fishes, the Loaves and Fishes uh, shop. We're going to talk about some new cookbooks she has out. But Alec, you're kind of a, you're a cook.
1: You're a, you... oh, oh, yeah. No, every day uh, that I don't cook is a day that I feel like I've, I've missed out in some way. Uh, it's, it's an organic part of my writing day, finished the day and kind of. Reemerge with my humanity by uh, preparing dinner. So yeah, no, I, I love cooking and I love all aspects of it. I love the experimenting with new uh, uh, ingredients and recipes. I, I love uh, eating food uh, and then uh, trying to figure out how somebody did something I liked and then trying to mirror it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm you, you won't find uh, me too far away from food.
0: <laughs> well, me neither, and I mean. I, you know, I was brought up in the restaurant business, so I saw, I got to see the, you know, the 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 guts of what was going on, but I've never been really that much of a chef. It's surprisingly enough, the, my earliest, uh, not my earliest memories, but when I was a teenager, I took cooking classes with Sabilla's mom on a pump and,
1: uh, and I actually uh, some of my uh, teenage uh, summer jobs out in uh, Bridgehampton were were with Cebula's uh, mom at uh, Loaves and Fishes. Uh, they, they she wouldn't let me behind the uh, the counter or in the kitchen, but uh, she did let me uh, carry stuff and and be part of the catering uh, aspect of her business, which was uh, a great job.
0: Oh wow! You you did catering for Loaves and Fishes.
1: I did. I, I worked a lot of weddings, uh, got the early set up uh, tables where sometimes did the bartending, sometimes did the staff stuff. And then, uh, you know, broke it all down. Great job. You didn't, you, you got to have the beach, got to have the whole day. And then around five o'clock, you went to work and usually you're done by 11 or midnight. It was all cash. Oh, and, yeah. uh, it was, Everybody uh, loves catering. And yeah. by the way, I learned more from Sybilla's mom, from Aunt Anna about, uh, not only how to be professional, but, but what it really means to uh, actually create an, an emotional experience or add to the emotional experience of like a wedding or a ceremony with the food and how much detail uh, and how much um, you know, uh, respect has to go into uh, the preparation of, of, a, of a good meal.
0: And you know, my mom uh, was uh, was a co writer with Anna of the I guess the original, not the very first Loaves and Fishes cookbook, but the next couple of ones. Yeah, it, we're kind of like all a, a one big family. And well, uh, I
1: could and, and and I mean, not to go to a dark place, but uh, Anna's actually uh, and Detlef uh, are, are uh, in turn for eternity about ten feet away from my pop in uh, in the cemetery in Sag, Sag Harbor. So, um, yeah.
0: So it's wonderful to have Sybilla on and we're we're going to get to uh, to talking with Sybilla Van Kempen of Loaves and Fishes, the Bridgehampton Inn and author of many books, including this really interesting series that's being released as a trio of books that it's so interesting to me because it's like her scope has gone so wide with all of the other books so far from the East End. And yet with these new books that are very farm to table, it's kind of like bringing it back. It's almost going simpler and deeper. And, and,
1: uh, and it's extremely ambitious, the idea of, of putting out a book a month on, on cooking, which I would imagine follows the cycle of the foods that are in season and the different recipes that people like throughout the year. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation, and uh, I can't wait. Uh, I, I feel like Pavlov's dog. I, I'm, I'm already <laughs> salivating.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we'll let you go and wipe your drool while we take a short break. This is Bridget Leroy. And
1: Alex Sokolo. I'm (laughs) muted. I'm muted. Now (laughs) I'm unmuted. So, and Alex Sokolo.
0: You're listening to Sundays on the East End here on WLIWFM.org. We'll be right back. We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolo. And we'd like to bring on our guest, Sybilla Van Kempen. Sybilla, hi. Hi. Hello, you two. Nice to see you finally. Haven't seen
2: you in a while.
0: I know. uh, Sybilla's so been one of our sponsors, so we did the show in a previous incarnation from the Bridgehampton Inn, where we are well acquainted with Serene and, uh, and all the, wonderful, the wonderfulness of that place. Uh, right, and,
1: and uh, really, really uh, a, a, a warm and, and lovely um, culture at the Bridgehampton Inn. I wanted to just jump in before we really get in about food. It's like when the pandemic hit, how, how have you managed, uh, how's the inn managed throughout uh, the pandemic?
2: Well, I would say in the beginning of the pandemic the pandemic, everybody left. All the reservations for the hotel were canceled, and everyone was in lockdown. So there was nothing to do. And um, I was able to get a, a payroll uh, loan and from the, the government, and I was able to pay the staff. So when we were able to reopen again in June and right after Memorial Day, the bookings came flowing back in. And then we were able to open the restaurant. So all my employees were there and I'd already been able to take care of them. So it really worked out beautifully. What, was it
1: complicated for you to get that loan? Because I heard so Not say, at all. Not really? at all,
2: no. But I have a very nice relationship with the Bridgehampton National Bank. And they were in the forefront. They let me know ahead of time, so let me fill out the application. So when the money was available, I was able to get it within two days. So it really also
1: speaks to um, this idea that you were able to have continuity with your entire staff. Really yes. Kind of so that when when you could open your doors, uh, you would. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think it's really important to have relationships with your local everything, your local friends, your, your local bank, your local accountant, all the crafts and uh, creative people that are in the community. So yes, that certainly has worked for me.
0: And I was going to ask you, weren't you also going to have a family wedding this summer? Where, what happened with that?
2: Oh, yes. Well, I think, you know, the engagement did what it was supposed to do and uh, my daughter realized that it wasn't a perfect match so that was that was a step back and redo in another way and and
1: she and she she was in england cooking right
2: she was yes about two years ago she got her her degree from cordon bleu and she's since been a butcher and waterhouse director Yes, yeah, so she's pretty wild, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, 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 and she knows how to uh, cut to the bone, so. She
2: certainly does, well said. Yeah, you and don't get do. her angry.
0: <laughs> so, and, but both of your sons do work with you, right? Uh do. Is that yes. the cook at uh, Loves and Fishes, and then Kyle is a mixologist?
2: Yes, okay. correct, yes. Stefan manages the inn. Kyle is my bar manager and mixologist at the, at the inn. Now, Stefan manages the food store, rather. And uh, Karina is coming home. So she is coming back to the family business as well. So I could not be more pleased.
0: That's amazing. It's wonderful when these things go through generations. It's not something you hear about as often now, a, a, a business being passed through generations like that.
2: Well, let's talk about farmers. Let's talk generations about of yeah, generations. So the books, they uh, they visit farmers that are first generation, and they visit farmers that are twelfth generation, and I have to say it has been uh, the most beautiful experience. How, uh, letting the farmers invite me in, I've gone to them, and they've just been amazingly warm and welcoming, and sharing.
1: And, and, what, and what was the uh, genesis for this uh, series?
2: Well, it started last spring. And in the spring, you know, after winter, we are always sort of looking for the excitement of the first growth and the first greenery and anything that's fresh and local. We're just waiting, chomping at the bit for the farm stands to open. And I sort of felt that feeling very strongly as we are influenced so, so much by the ingredients that we use. And as I make the menus at Loaves and Fishes every week, I'm so directed and so motivated by those ingredients. So I'm always looking ahead, a couple of weeks ahead. And I started to have conversations with the farmers and I felt their excitement about what they were doing and what was coming and what week it would be available. And I don't think I've ever listened to them that carefully. And it was infectious, it was infectious. I just came back every day from seeing farmers and talking to them. And just bubbling with ideas about dishes and how to do something. So like what you mentioned earlier, Alec, the the motivation that you get from just being out there and the physical satisfaction of creating something from what you see, uh, what's been created or or grown for you. Anyway, it was infectious. And so I had finished my uh, Bridgehampton Inn book the previous year, had had a whole year of launching it. So I was really ready for a new project. Um, I have a dear friend who's in the publishing business. He publishes art books. And he happened to give me a little square book. And he said, these are really cute books. They make a really great gift. And so that was the beginning of it. And I thought, well, how am I going to do this? What am I going to put in it? And then I just looked around at the farmers. And I thought, wow, there's so many farmers in our area that we just take uh, for granted, I think. And I, it felt like it was time to shine the light on them and their stories. And that's how it started. So we started in June. We went to the farm and we photographed. Uh, we started the Green Thumb. And they are just lovely people, Joe and her family. All right, let's, talk, let's arms, talk
1: about the Green Thumb. Yeah, but yeah. the Green Thumb. I can remember being uh, 10 years old and going to pick strawberries at the Green Thumb. And how was, long have they been there?
0: And it was the first organic farm I mean, certified organic farm on the South Fork.
2: Yes, yes, they are. And that's an interesting story too, because they all come from the Halsey family. But those families found as they had children and their children had other interests, as they acquired land, they ventured into different directions. And that's why we have all these Halsey farms now. Which is is also Halsey, isn't it? A Halsey farm, yes, exactly. They're all related and it's so fabulous the way it's, it's it's such a
1: it's such a coincidence that there are all these halsey lanes out here. How did that happen?
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder how. <laughs> From those farms being divided. So I mean, is are, do you feel in a way, Sibella, that you're kind of preserving a bit of history with these as well?
2: I do. I do. I feel like we're creating this microscopic look at what's going on around us. And I guess you know, with the pandemic, everyone was at home and cooking. So the timing was pretty perfect to put that spotlight around us where everyone came from the city and they came back, not just for the beach anymore, but actually to inhabit their homes and live their lives and, and people started cooking.
1: So yeah. um, I, I, I had a, a funny uh, story where my daughter uh, and her girlfriend were out for a couple months and in May, like a lot of people, she, they wanted to make bread, right? So bread was a very big thing. So she asked me to find some yeast. And uh, I, I'm, I'm driving through a, a water mill and uh, going into provisions, you know, that's there now. And I'm like, I come in and I'm like, do you have any yeast? And the, and the person behind the counter is like, no, no, we don't have any yeast, we don't have any yeast. And like very like aggressive. I'm like, all right. And then like he came over and like whispered to me, he goes, I got some in the back if you want some. <laughs>
0: Oh, gosh. So it was like black market yeast.
1: Basically, right? (laughs)
0: He
1: was trying trying to get a rise out of me.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. No, you didn't, Alec. You did not. (laughs) Anyway, uh, maybe that's a good spot for another little break. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy.
1: And Alex Sokolov
0: And Sibylla Van Kempen talking about Loaves and Fishes and these new fascinating snippets, these books that – Tell the story and the history and the about the livelihood and the produce, the juicy, wonderful produce that comes from our local farms. You're listening to us on 88.3 WLIW FM, online at wliwfm.org, and we'll be right back after this. We're back. Sunday's on the stand, and we're talking with Sibylla van Kempen. Um, tell us so. Tell us about the first book. So you, you these books, these twelve books. This you're releasing them. In groups of three. So three books for each season.
2: Groups of three.
0: So what was the timeline? Because you say that you were were looking around in June from taking the pictures to the publication. How long did each book
2: take? Well, in production, uh, about three months. That's about what it took. Um, And then, of course, the production on our end, and then it takes about another three months to actually produce it. And, uh, you know, from the printing and publishing end of it, but, is that complicated? Uh, in... Is that complicated? Yeah, uh, as, far,
1: as far as planning the menu and knowing it's going to be seasonal?
2: No, it fell into place. Uh, what we did is we didn't just choose random ingredients from the farmers. We started in June with the green thumb. Then we went to the green thumb then we chose six ingredients. And then we brought them back to the kitchen and we made 20 recipes. And that was the pattern
0: it's almost like you were doing your own chopped kind of like you chose the ingredients and then you would, the, the recipes would, would spring from what you had.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly. And then we went to, um, the foster farm and their distillery. And that was July. That was tomato season. And then we did August and that was the Pike farms, Jim and Jen. And we focused on corn and all their beautiful melons and everything else in August. Yeah. That was the, the pikes,
1: the pikes corn, yeah, is like crack. Yeah, it's like crack. Yes, yes.
0: Okay, well, I I don't know if I've had pikes corn, but now I'm desperate for it to be for it to be August again, and it just turns September. What am I gonna do? I need well, my they
2: still, Well, they still have some on the stand, so you need to get there very soon. Yes. As-
0: so tell us uh, about some of those recipes that were in the first, because uh, the first series dropped, as they say, uh, earlier in the in the season, and then the second, uh, uh, four, five, and six, just dropped last week, yes? Right,
2: right. or okay.
0: well, were published, if you want to be old school.
2: <laughs> right, right. Well, and also, just to correct you, the numbers are different. So oh, there okay. will be an entire year of books, so there will be 12 books. We are now working on the winter series. Right. So the the series will start with a loaves and fishes book in January and that will be book one. Oh, so yeah. So June is book six, July is seven, August is eight.
0: Okay. So it's kind of like a star Wars thing where you started with the sixth episode and then you would, right. I, I don't like that. Sabella <laughs> <laughs> you <can> change it. <laughs>
1: right. I it. Where, where, where does, where, where does fennel fit in? <laughs>
2: fennel. Where does fennel fit in? Well, uh there's something that we what we talk about is that uh fennel can be harvested in the spring but there are some late summer fennels as well there's even fall fennel and and it's a wonderful vegetable to root cellar so you can use it all winter long so that's something that we also talk about is preserving the summer july tomatoes the heirloom tomatoes i had the east end kitchen Um, jar the heirloom tomatoes from the foster farm from me I have hundreds of jars ready to put on the shelf this winter when there's no tomatoes and you just want the magic of a summer tomato in your sauce in your whatever you're making so uh, I've been thinking about all of that so the cycle of this year of creating these books has just brought me so much closer to our ingredients and, and where they come from, and, and having keep maintaining the integrity of, of using those ingredients in the production of our food here at Loaves and Fishes.
0: That's so wonderful. I mean, I, I remember a long time ago someone telling me to really um, take the time to look at your dish when you're in a restaurant or you know, if you're cooking your own food to really honor where all that food has come from, whether it's um, from local farms, the people who planted the seed, the people who picked it, the people who shipped it, the people in the kitchen who cooked it, the people who brought it to your table. It, it, there are so many steps right. that, You know that we take for granted, especially not maybe so much during a pandemic, but I think before when you were just grabbing things off the shelves and you know making something or just going to a restaurant, and I think that maybe we've become a little bit more
2: mindful during this. Yeah, more focused. Definitely more focused. Yeah. And we want to eliminate all those first steps that you were just talking about at none, none of the shipping and none of the packaging and none of that stuff. We were definitely want to go straight to the farmer, the growing, their enthusiasm, it on the stand and, or in your local market, for instance, Citarella has this summer they had a whole area in their produce market that was all local produce, which I commend them on, I think that that's fabulous. That's, uh, that really helps the farmers. Not every one of them has a farm stand. Uh, for instance, the Satter farm on the North Fork, I don't know if you know Paulette I know Satter yeah. and her background, and Everhard Mueller, a four Michelin star chef, are just the uh, most delightful, but committed, passionate, um, serious farmers. And they have no farm stand. But their farm stand is King Cullen. You know, you can buy their greens, and you literally can see them. Their greens are washed, packaged, and delivered in the same day. I mean, they are literally come from the field in the morning. They get washed and processed in uh, Riverhead in their their shop, and and they're trucked out in the afternoon. It's it's astonishing. It's really fabulous. And yeah. and it also,
1: I think, if, if the pandemic has laid bare um, a lot of um, the uh, the sourcing issues and how we become global as an economy, um, it certainly uh, has, has, I think, magnified the need for local sourcing and how really our futures um, really depend on uh, having and maintaining and supporting a vibrant local uh, uh, economy and process from beginning to end, from farm to table. Right,
2: right, absolutely, yes supporting the farmers, and they are such a valuable part of our community. And I think we've overlooked it for too long. I, I think you're right. The pandemic has um, highlighted their their assets, and uh, rightly so. And I think I'm doing that as well uh, by, you know, put, putting the spotlight on each farmer uh, and craft. There are two um books that are coming in the winter series and the spring series one is a craft brewery long Island brewery uh created by two local long island boys and uh that's a wonderful story as well and how that incorporates with our food and cooking and there's a second book that's all about the pominoch winery and vineyards. Of course, those are farmers. That's a different farming. That's grape farming. Also, fascinating story. Immigrant family, you know, goes big. um, And their sons are all in the business. So there's a lot of family reference in my books as well, which comes from, of course, the root of my family and our commitment. So I connected to all these farm families that generation and generation, they came back to the farm which you really can't make your kids do that, trust me. Uh, I know no, They have
0: to love it, don't they? Yes, yes,
2: Yeah.
0: It's, it's really fascinating to me, um, especially about the wine, because um, you have to really know something about the geology of, of the Twin Forks as well, since the North Fork uh, is much more, uh, vi- what you'd say, vino-friendly, I guess, or una-friendly. We do have Wolfer uh, on the South Fork. Um, but the the uh, wolfer
2: also <laughs> buys i'm sorry I didn't inter- interrupt but Wolfer also buys grapes from the North Fork
0: oh right, but I was going to yeah. say because they they were made in two different ice ages twenty five thousand years apart, so they're completely different soil um It's just also interesting I mean farming in general is just a fascinating um career to, to have in this day and age. And thank God that we still have it on the East end and that, you know, that you're putting a, like you said, a spotlight on it. So we've talked about the first released books. The ones that have just come out are at Spotlight Witch Farms. Cause we talked Those about.
2: Are, yeah, that's the Halsey farm and nursery on Deerfield road. That's Adam Halsey and his wife and family and uh, his folks who are still farming as well. And then the milk pail is October. And that's the Halsey um, milk pail and orchards. So they're all about orchards and fruit. And of course, the milk pail stand stand has its own wonderful historical story. And then, uh, which they're happy to tell you when you go there and pick up some donuts and some fresh apple cider and etc. And then the November book, which is uh, one of of my favorite books. Uh, I mean, I love them all. They're all my children. But the November book is about uh, Thanksgiving. It was really, we really embraced Thanksgiving and family cooking and sharing and gathering and, um, and utilizing, you know, the uh, turkeys from Ludlow's and there's nothing like going to the Turk, the Ludley Turco- Ludlow Turkey farm, say that three times fast. right um, And clapping your hands and having 400, turkeys gobble over at, at, lightning speed. I mean, it's just, you, you can't duplicate that, that experience and falling They, in they, love they, with the, they haven't
1: read the memo. <laughs> 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 memo. <laughs>
2: so,
1: so, so but I, I can remember, I mean, Lowe's and Fishes has uh, for years uh, done uh, a Thanksgiving catering uh, yes. business. How many turkeys do you, do you uh, uh, sell uh, like on a typical well, year?
2: Yeah, about sixty is about all we can wow. handle. Yeah. yeah, and then we send out turkeys that are oven ready, so you have to pick them up of the day before, and then you put them in your oven in the morning, and then and then your house smells glorious. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. So, um, what do you? What made you want? I mean, we've kind of covered this, and I'm sorry I'm stepping all over myself, but what made you want to release this as 12 different books rather than one big book? Because there certainly are books out there that are seasonal cookbooks. What was it that made you really want to do this kind of curated, special, small series?
2: I thought it was something fresh. Um, There is a series that I'm quite fond of. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Canal House from Lambertville. It's two women who had a restaurant um, and they, one winter they just started cooking and writing and they decided that they were going to write a series of journals. And so I've purchased some of those and they're, they're just glorious. They're so rich and also seasonal. And what they started off doing, uh, I guess it was too ambitious for them. They, they, they were very interested in the writing part of it, and it, it got to be, you know, like reading a, a Julia Child cooking novel is what it turned into. Be, um, so I looked at that and I thought, Judy, how can we do this in our new format, and how can we produce something tangible that's a beautiful gift, a wonderful way of sharing, um, at a at a perfect price point, but cover the books in linen so they feel special and give them beautiful colors. And then what's the focus of the content? I thought, why group these farms together? They're already not getting enough spotlight. Why don't I spotlight them? And it just, it became obvious that that was a perfect format for that. And of course, you know, when I said I would do 12 books, I didn't really didn't know what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Because cause now I'm looking at the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> you, you, you
1: in the new Testament. Um, so here's a question. I hate to put you on the spot here, but is there a recipe right now, right? We're in September post labor day. A lot of people have stayed out on the East End and might stay for a long time, and they're now going to really enjoy and celebrate the fall on the East End. Is there a recipe that comes to mind that that uh, is your go-to September recipe?
2: You know, you, you can't put me on the spot with that one. Okay, because... sorry.
1: You don't want to insult all the legumes, huh?
2: Well, well I don't have one go-to recipe because I go to the market and whatever I see, I cook what I think is best. So... That's what I would encourage everybody to do. I was at Adam Halsey's yesterday, and because we're closed on Tuesday, I cook at home. So I picked up a beautiful head of Savoy cabbage. I mean, I think there's nothing more beautiful than that. Nature has just produced this amazing product. I think cabbage is way underrated and misunderstood. And I just did a very simple chiffonade, sauteed it in a little olive oil and garlic, um, and finished it with a little uh, crisp bacon um, yeah it was it was perfect so um, you know I, that's the thing is that I, I really I go to the market and I see what ingredients are there and that's my go-to so, I know.
0: I mean, after yeah. so many books now, you've done so many wonderful books—the the part, the loaves and fishes book, the party book, the entertaining. I mean, you've done so many, and then last year's book. How do you still come up with recipes? And who do you test them out on? Because I'd like it to be maybe us.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, the thing is that uh, we've done for the photo shoots. Uh, we do the that week's menu in the store is the new, is the new book, so we always do the whole uh, selection of recipes in the store. So that's that's week's menu. So it's obvious I, I have a, a full crew here that can produce anything. And so I just turned that week into the book menu. And the, the books also are listed in the contents by ingredient. So when you think of the milk pail, you think of apples uh, and pears and so you go to the book and, of course, in the content, the first ingredient is apples. So that's why, again, Alec, I say that I'm driven by ingredients. Um, yeah. So that's my go-to. My go-to is choose the ingredient and then go to the book in that season, in that month, and find your favorite recipe.
1: All right. And now, and now you know, not to compare apples to apples, but, like, uh, I'm, a gal, I'm a gala guy. I kind of yeah. like the gala apple. I uh, love uh, galas. They're my
0: favorite, too.
1: I find that the yellow delicious kind of works in the summer, but that the gala really is a good, uh, you know, utilitarian apple. It has the perfect combination of, of sweet and tart, um, crunchy. Uh, do you have a favorite apple? Uh, do I have a favorite apple? I think for eating, I
2: like a Macintosh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but not for computing.
2: Not for computing. (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) I think you have to go over to the milk pail and let Amy and Jen tell you all about the varieties that they have. They're so passionate about them and they will figure out what's the best apple for what you're going to do, whether it's applesauce or apple pie or baked apples. You know, baked apple, you don't want to use a Macintosh because there's too much water in them and they'll collapse. So they're experts, truly experts on that. Well, I, so, want to
0: the, I want to hear um, going into the winter now. I mean, the weather, we're starting to get a little bit of frost. You know, not frost, but it's going to be It's going to be cold next week. We're going to be down into the 30s. Uh, right. Tonight. You know, what, what, what do the farms do during the winter? I mean, is it all after the squash, then what? That's, if I wrote a book well, ginger recipes, that's what it would be called. After the squash, then what?
1: Yeah, that was, <laughs> that, that was my favorite uh, Neil Young album.
0: <laughs> anyway, but there's squash and there's there's cruciferous. What what else are they doing on the farms?
2: Well, so for December we're going to the Goodale farm on the North Fork. And they um have animals. They have goats, uh, they milk cows, they make cheese and feta. They um yeah, they make goat cheese as well. And so we go there and we visit them, and we see what's going on with the animals. So we incorporate uh, we have recipes in December that are very festive for the holiday, and incorporate all the ingredients, all the dairy ingredients that they're producing up there. So that's something that's farming is goes all year round, you know, people with animals. It's same thing with the Mecox Bay dairy they' Milking their cows and making Peter, or their son Peter, is making cheese to ripen right. six months so it's ready for for summer.
0: And um, at Goodale Farms, at Hal Goodale, he's uh, I was yeah. going over there. It's one of the first places that you pass when you uh, start, start heading down 25 towards Orient Point, and to stop <laughs> when they have the baby goats and the baby lambs. Uh, right, a magical place. So that's that's wonderful. Um, And then going into the spring, that's your spring
2: is the last bunch of books, the last series. Well, I can tell you what the next books are. So the winter books, again, they'll start in December. They get December, January, February, and December is the Goodale Farm. And January, as I mentioned, is loaves and fishes. And what we're cooking with loaves and fishes is a lot of cellared items. So from the other seasons. And we're focusing and introducing all of the farmers that we're going to be talking about in the series. So it's sort of a, you know, backing up and supporting uh, what the books are are available now and and sort of telling the story, starting from the beginning again, uh, which will then begin to make a lot of sense. Wow. Um, Yeah. So um, and then we have the brewery, which is February, Long Island Brewery. Uh, March is Palminock Winery. April is um, Braun Oyster, the oh, Braun sure. Seafood is what they're called. So they're the largest seafood distributor from all the fishermen in the, uh, in our area. <clears throat> and we've also, we were uh, blessed to be able to go on the Pecanic Gold um, Oyster craft we went out with the boys um and picked oysters and it was pretty amazing
1: yeah i've done that once in my life and uh such a great appreciation for the for the oyster and and the that little part of the uh of the sea you know oh
2: yeah talk about fresh seawater is really uh pretty amazing and and what they do also with such passion they go out there and they attend their nurseries um and you really get an appreciation for it when you're out at sea with them and then May, the final book of the series um, or the final book that will be coming out will be Satter Farm. And that will be featuring Paulette and Everhart. And we are going to get some uh, recipes, some very highly secretive recipes for Michelin star quality from wow. Everhart. So it's, it's going to be quite exciting. And of course, there will be a, a festival when this 12 book series is finished. So by next spring in June, uh, we hope to have a wonderful uh, very long table uh, to gather and uh, dine together.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that because of the inn and restaurant. Are you going to have some samplings of some of these recipes at any point when, when people can congregate, which is supposedly yeah. now?
2: Well, I haven't quite figured that out. We launched our summer series at the Foster Farm Distillery, the Sagaponic Distillery Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic, we did social distancing boxes, so a picnic box. Everyone got their own picnic box, and they were able to sit on a blanket or a picnic table. And we had uh, Tom Wardle playing live guitar, and it was pretty beautiful. It was a wonderful early Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, you know, the weather is a consideration, and uh, I think we're going to do something a little bit different. We're, we're doing uh, cocktail boxes here at Lowe's and Fishes, they have six hors d'oeuvres in them. So it's a, like an hors d'oeuvre to go box mm. and it's all sealed up and you can order them a day in advance. And so that I'm thinking about that format to introduce uh, the, the winter, the fall series um, to get some of those recipes out there and get you to taste them. Sort because, you about, know, we can't have a buffet it. anymore. Buffet is, is uh, it's not permitted any longer. Yeah, yeah. And, and
1: so it's sort of a bento box approach to. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: And uh, I guess that Christmas is just around the corner.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. no, that you don't know, no, no, no. <laughs> We can't, we can't be running through it. I know that we, everybody wants to be done with 2020, but I love the fall so much. I, do, I yeah. don't, I don't want it to be Christmas just yet.
0: I know, but I was thinking, uh, if people want to purchase these books, I mean, do they go to the website? Is it loavesandfishes.com? What is it? It's loavesandfishes.us. Dot us. Yes. Are there there descriptions of each of the books and a little bit about them? Yes.
2: Yes, they are. So the full series is available online at loavesandfishes.us or at the Loaves and Fishes Food Store in Sagaponic or at the Loaves and Fishes cook shop in Bridgehampton on Main Street. The other, the farmers, are all carrying books. Some of them are carrying the trios. Most of them are carrying their own set of trios. Mm-hmm. And the local bookstores all have the trios as well. So it's, they're quite, uh, quite available, including Sylvester in uh, Sack Harbor.
0: What kind of reaction have you gotten after the publication from some of these farming families
2: Tremendous. Uh, You know, the the sweetest thing that was ever said is, thank you for making us look so good. (laughs) The photographs, I think you would agree, are just extraordinary. And they capture the essence and the love and the passion and the warmth, um, let alone the quality of the products and the ingredients. So um, that's been the response. They're grateful and they're having fun with it. And of course, they're making money. So you know, they're selling books. And uh, so that's something new for most of the farmers. That, that's a, a whole different thing. And it's all very new. So it's, it's only been in the farm stands for a couple of months. And uh, we'll see at the end of the year uh, how everybody feels about it. <laughs> but I, so far, it's been very, very well received.
0: And how is it uh, being, I guess, this is my big question during the pandemic. How is are you getting the word out beyond the East End?
2: Well, I've hired a public relations company that I worked with for the Bridgehampton End book, Diana Petroff, Public Relations. She's very hands-on, very personable, and I love her energy. She's very receptive to my ideas because I'm always telling them what to do. And uh, they're executing it beautifully. So I have to say that you know having the summer series in the New York Times uh, written up by Florence Fabricant was a great way to start off.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and still, I mean, you're, you're still working the, is the restaurant open yet at the end? Oh yes. The restaurant's been open since June and we're full every night. Um, Yeah, I saw some of the pictures. I just wasn't sure if it was uh, like fully open, but it is. So yeah,
2: inside and outside we have private dining areas. People are booking like a private family uh, event. Yes. Yes, we are fully open and uh, and loving it, and looking forward to the fall. And all the fireplaces will are, are running and operating, so super cozy and very uh, professional and social distance. So everything is done properly.
1: I would imagine, and, and, and Seville, like you, you seem to have your your fingers on the pulse of so many of the um, of the uh, you know uh, pro- produce uh, makers, the farmers. I would imagine that that in, as 2020 has been such an, a weird and upside-down year, that you know normally uh, a Tumbleweed Tuesday, you know the day after Labor Day, uh, the place kind of cleared out and everybody caught their breath. But that I I would think that everybody's enthused and infused with so much energy right now because I don't even want to call it the season, but the the, the mass of people, the mass of people who want to enjoy their life through this tough time uh, has not really decreased. Uh, so has, how have you handled that with, with yourself and with the staff and, and, and just in general? Like, are, do you see, uh, I would imagine, like I would imagine internally you're, you're, you usually think September I catch my breath, but I, I think you're just getting going.
2: Yes. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, the staff is pretty prepared for it in March when everything shut down Uh, For us, it was a great awakening. Suddenly, we went in the middle of March on a Wednesday when we reopened for the week, since we're open Wednesday through Sunday. It was like a Saturday in June on a Wednesday in March. And every day after that was like Saturday in June, Saturday in July. Um, So we're accustomed to a new pace. I sort of feel like I have a store in Manhattan right now. Mm -hmm. And it requires a certain amount of uh, attention, but we also, we do what we do and we've been doing it for 41 years and we really know the pace of what we're doing. And several of my employees have been with me over 20 years. Wow. So, yeah, so... so So, Although we were all looking forward to Tumbleweed Tuesday, what I did was I pulled back on that sixth day. We used to be open six days a week in the summer season. I did not do that this year. We stuck with five days. So everybody, all our employees had two days off everywhere, the restaurant, everywhere. So yeah. And that really paid off. Everybody had the energy. By Wednesday, they were ready to go again. By Sunday, they were ready for their days off. And that's what we're continuing in the fall. And I think uh, most of my employees, uh, if you would ask them, they're happy to have their work, um, so they're grateful, and and we are grateful for them.
0: Well, to to bring it back, uh, we only have a few more minutes. I know that um, you now are really one of the generational businesses out here. We've touched on that several times throughout the show, and you have a book. One of these small, one of the trios is about. Where the loaves and fishes, and putting the focus on that business. What are some of the stories that you tell?
2: You know, it's not so much about stories. Um, What I do in the introduction of each book is tell, is share my philosophy and and what makes me tick. Um, If you go to the Bridgehampton Inn book, there you can read my story. That's uh, three pages of who I am and what I've done and how I got here. Um, so I think that the, each capsule, a little intro, just gives you a little bit of a peek and, and shares you know, what, what we're up to and what I'm up to. And what I've also done, which has been fun, um, I've always enjoyed writing poetry, and I especially enjoy haiku. So every book has a haiku in it. Wow. Um, yeah, which is about the farm and about, it's very personal. It really is, says in a few words or a few phrases what the experience is with the farmer. And um, yeah, so uh, have a look at that. That's also a fun component. Well, that's wonderful. I'm sorry. Yeah, see,
1: no, I was going to say, it seems like uh, one of the things that, that, that you get to celebrate is, is, and Bridget, you had said this about your pop and how the restaurant is really the place. It's, it's, it's an art form for all the senses. Yeah. It seems like you get to really celebrate all of the senses.
2: I do. I do. Yes. Well, these are all my creations. And so it's my playground. I don't feel like I'm working ever. Well, maybe once in a while, I feel like I'm working. <laughs> But
1: yeah. And, and, yeah, and all right, and, and what's your guilty pleasure uh, food wise? Like, what's the one thing that you're just like, people would be shocked that you like?
2: Cold pizza. Nice. What about you? <laughs> I oh. love cold pizza.
1: <laughs> what about me? Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, uh, corn chips. I, I, I can go through bags of corn chips.
2: Okay, you uh, mentioned two
0: things, cold pizza and corn chips. That's like a daily routine for me. My, my guilty pleasure, Swedish fish. Love them.
1: Yeah, which color? Which color?
0: Oh, red. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like those fancy green and yellow ones. Give me red Swedish fish. But anyway, just a wonderful discussion with Sibylla Van Kempen. this new series of books, all these farm to table, 12 different small books being released, three at a time what an exciting, innovative idea to bring attention not only to our local farms, but to our local produce, to our local, to your local vendors. And thank you. And And people can find out more uh, about it at loavesandfishes.us.
2: And Sibella do you have anything you wanted to add before Alec takes us out? Well, I just wanted to say that I'm so looking forward to launching and releasing the winter books and then the spring books in the spring. So Whatever we're going through now, we need to cook our way through the winter and share and enjoy wonderful meals together. And I, I know that we will all come out together uh, on the other side. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Sybilla. Alec, do you have any last words?
1: It, you know, going to be hard to top what, what Sybilla just said. Um, I would say uh, as, as the weather changes into fall, uh, for all, all the people, thanks for listening. Um, I, you know, wear your masks, support the post office. Be be awake, but also be present every day. Uh, support the farmers out here. Support all the local businesses out here. Uh, it's it's authentic, and we live in a in a time where it's very hard sometimes to to feel and taste authentic. So uh, my if it's a last word, I would say uh, I am supercharged to get to a farm stand and to see what looks like the right thing to cook tonight. Um, and other than that, everybody just be well and stay well.